This podcast is brought to you by Gridiron Heroics Media. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. Welcome, one and all, to the Gridiron Heroics Football Show. I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And today we have our Pick'em Show. So what that means is after a little bit of news, we are going to do a Thursday night football recap, which we are in halftime for at this particular moment. So we did just see Tua go down. We'll talk about that later. But it's very, very present in my mind. Still a little bit nauseous after that. And then, of course, we're going to pick every Sunday game against the spread with Bryson Owens. Until then, we have some news tidbits, a.k.a. NFL drama with Julius Lux. How you doing, Julius? All is well. As you mentioned, you know, too, it just went down. So that adds present drama. If we're going to if we're going to say today on NFL drama, that's taken to a literal standpoint. But other than that, all is good. How about you? Yeah, everything is everything is uh, awesome, except for that. Obviously, hoping he's OK. He was literally just taken to. Uh, medical center as we speak it's halftime thursday night so uh I, I know this is not what we're talking about right now but it was man well I, i'll i'll talk about it with dave shortly so let's just move on because i will dwell on it it's it's a bit overwhelming um uh, <laughs> i totally Julius, why it. don't you just hit me with the first news item and we can just go from there it be it be Sounds good. So we got an update on the Pro Bowl games and an idea of what's going on with that since we talked about it the other day. Those that are selected are required to attend the event unless there is a medical issue or any sort of, you know, family stuff going on. So there's no more skipping out or holding out. You have to attend it. It is required. There will be a flag football game that is seven on seven. No linemen are going to be involved. The linemen will have their like skills events to participate in. And the skills competitions includes dodgeball, best catch, quarterback drills, and more. Players on the winning team will receive $84,000, and the losing team players will get $42,000. Must be nice. So that's what I got for you on the Pro Bowl games. Why Why do I just have this sneaking suspicion that they're going to get more injured doing this stuff <laughs> than playing an actual football game with pads and helmets? It just, I mean, it sounds fun, but... Like, if you got guys, like, trying to go out of their way to do the best catch and play dodgeball, like, I just feel like, I feel like we're going to talk about this as being a bad decision in about six months. I'm, this, I'm just calling my shot on that one. But, this seven-on-seven but, seven game, the way it looks, just screams, like, yeah. pulled hamstrings. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, anyway, it'll be fun to watch. Um, Absolutely. W- will I really watch it? I who knows? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> maybe maybe just for the newness of it, you know, just as mm-hmm. a, a novelty thing. But, hey, man, you never know. Maybe it will be really fun and really cool. Let's Absolutely. be optimistic. Absolutely. Moving on. Sunday's matchup versus Tampa and Kansas will remain in Tampa. The field was spared from damaging consequences and should be in shape for the Sunday night special. Good to know. Good to go. And uh, similarly, we have news from Brian that he is all good down in Florida as well. Obviously, a high-impact hurricane. Um, it hit as a Category 5, I believe. Five, yeah. 
and then quickly dropped down to one as it moved inland. So the storm surge and, and that initial damage was the worst of it. But, um, you know, I, I don't know what the, the, the initial word is on how many people were injured and, and potentially killed. But Brian, at least we know, is good and his kids are all good. And, and he said he should have power back tomorrow. So just thinking about you, Brian, and uh, can't wait to get you back on board. Absolutely. Can't wait to get the chief back in order. Miles Garrett, an update on him, issued a citation for failing to control his vehicle in his single car crash. He suffered shoulder and bicep strains along with numerous lacerations. It was noted that he drove at an unsafe speed, according to officers. He returned to the facility Thursday, but his status still remains in the air for Sunday. Yeah. Um, I believe I saw somewhere that he was going around 65 and a 45, which, Jeez. you know, going 20, like if you, it's like, let's say you're going 80 and a 60, right? It's still, it's probably, probably not safe, but 60 miles an hour usually means that it's a relative straight road or the curves are very evenly displaced. So 20 miles over there, it's, it's way different than 20 miles over 65 and a 45. I know I'm not exactly breaking news here, but like, <laughs> it's just, you, you take a turn going that fast in the zone like that. You're just, you're asking for trouble. So it's good that he's okay. He's extremely fortunate not to have hurt anybody else because we've saw that, you know, obviously it doesn't seem to be that he was under any influence like, uh, uh, in another car crash that we saw recently, but yeah. just, it's like, again, just dad instinct taking over, but just be smarter than that. Just don't be dumb. You remember Absolutely. that's my saying from the summer, don't be dumb. Don't be dumb. Yeah, we we had a few times where that came out. We had some instances. <laughs> just don't be dumb. Moving on, we gave you the Jameis Winston update yesterday. He was supposed to practice today, but he gets another day off today after missing Wednesday's activities, as I mentioned yesterday. He was supposed to practice. Did not happen. The status for his upcoming game remains the same just the day-to-day feel on how he's doing well one thing i can tell you is that a flight overseas is like not <laughs> the way that you want to spend your time like if you don't if you, if you feel injured leads to a lot of stiffness i um flew overseas last year and this year both um and it's a long it's a long flight man i mean if, if you have discomfort so probably I wouldn't be surprised if he had more nagging, lingering issues because of the flight than he would have if he had just stayed in New Orleans. But, you know, what are you going to do? You're scheduled to play in London. Got to go play in London. Absolutely. Moving on, Ravens defensive tackle Michael Pierce will undergo bicep surgery. That will end his 2022 season. He suffered the tear in Week 3's win over New England. That stinks because he's a, an important player for that defensive front. Um, I, I think it's probably a name that a lot of people don't know, but he's a good player, very good against the run, fits very, very well into the odd front that they utilize there. So more attrition, man. It's uh, it's a shame to see, but um, they've got a big game coming up this week, and, and they're going to need to overcome the loss of him against the Bills. Yes, unfortunately, another... You know, tough injury. We've seen a bunch of tough injuries this season so far, and it feels like it's such a rush, but wish him the best. Sticking at the defensive tackle, same division. Cincinnati Bengals lose DJ Redder 
for some time as he hits the injury reserve with a left knee injury. He suffered this injury during Week 3's win versus the Jets. Yeah, Reader was playing exceptionally well against them and uh, went out partway through and obviously didn't really help the Jets' offense, but it's a big loss for the Bengals. They are playing right now, and we'll see how they close out the game. In fact, we're going to rock and roll right through this final news segment so I can go watch that game. Absolutely. I got it on right here as I take a peek over. It just started, so... We talked about Players of the Week. I got Players of the Month for you. So congratulations to these guys. The AFC Players of the Month on the offense, Lamar Jackson. Defense, Melvin Ingram. And special teams, Tommy Townsend. NFC Players of the Month offense, Jalen Hurts. Defense, Devin White. And special teams, Mitch Wisnowski. Um. Okay. I mean, I'm, fi- I'm fine with the Offensive Players of the Month. The Defensive Players of the Month, I mean... Not, I'm not throwing any shade, but I think we've seen an overall better month-long performance than Melvin Ingram. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, good player, good player. I'm not, I, I'm not throwing shade, but he was not the most impactful defensive player in the month of September, right? You know what I mean? Hey, look, come at me if you disagree. Whether if you're a Dolphins fan or, or anything, just hit me up. I will interact with you. But that <laughs> seems. It, that seems like somebody made an effort there to get the old vet uh, another accolade. And then, you know, I don't know. That's, Add that's that on <laughs> with how Miami's starting, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get it. I understand. And look, he's had he had a couple of big games. Um, but I don't know. That's just my take. And is it hot? I don't know. But look, let's go watch some football, Julius. Let everybody know. <laughs> where they can find absolutely you. <laughs> you can find me on twitter got juice 44 that's on twitter got juice 44 you can find me on gridironheroics.com where you can see my articles as well as my appearances on this show on facebook you can find me just by searching my name julius lux beautiful so we will be right back with the thursday night football recap with dave guberman All right, we're back with Dave Guberman to talk about this Cincinnati Bengals versus Miami Dolphins Thursday night game, man. First of all, how you doing, Dave? I'm good, Max. I'm good. It was a wild game we just saw. Was looking forward to a rematch of the 2019 thriller between Bama and LSU between these two same starting quarterbacks, but it turned into a whole other thing altogether. Yeah, well, I, I mean... I'll be perfectly honest. We were we were hoping for fireworks, um, and, and then once the injury happened, which we'll definitely talk about here in a couple of minutes, it it honestly became a little bit difficult for me to focus on the gameplay itself. You know, it, it kind of seemed like the wind went out of the Dolphins' sails at that point. Uh, I, I feel like there was a very different vibe after that. I mean, obviously, but I, I just feel like I never got the sense that the Dolphins were rallying. You know. Uh, if that makes sense, around around it, like playing four two or something like that, it kind of just felt like like their leader was gone, and and they didn't really didn't really have a comeback for that. So it, it, to me, this always did kind of feel like a, a Bengals game after that happened late in the second quarter. But let's get into some of some of what happened here. I think early in the game, you know, they were trading blows back and forth. 
the Dolphins were kicking more field goals and scoring touchdowns. So the Bengals were always just a little bit ahead. Um, early on, Hayden Hurst and Joe Mixon got the ball rolling for the Bengals, and then it just turned into a T. Higgins show. For the Dolphins, you know, we saw a little bit more dispersal of the ball. Obviously, another monster game from Tyreek Hill, and he just shows you why he is maybe the most dangerous player to play in the last, you know, 20 years on offense. And ultimately, it wasn't enough to get it done once Tua went out. But that's pretty much the story of the game. Um, it's hard to really get hyped about the football play when when that, when there's this whole other surrounding storyline and I don't want to I don't want the conversation to exclusively be about that so we're going to talk a little football first but again that's coming in just a minute yeah so like you said you were hoping for fireworks and that's what we looked like we were going to get in the beginning of the, in the beginning of the game the Bengals scored very quickly on their opening drive Tua took the Dolphins down in three plays, four plays. They were in the red zone. If not for a Chase Edmonds drop touchdown, it would have been a touchdown on both of their first two drives. So it could have been a high-scoring affair, but after that, and after the injury especially, it really kind of bogged down and became a defensive showdown. So multiple field goals, multiple fourth-down stands. The Bengals had extreme problems getting a run game established. They only averaged 2.2 yards a carry in this game. Joe Mixon had 24 carries for 61 yards. So Miami's defense played well, but after that injury, it just seemed like, like you said, they didn't have a lot of juice. It was good to see Bridgewater come in and score a touchdown right before the, the halftime buzzer to make it a 14-12 game. But the second half really was all Cincinnati. And to me, these stats were so similar. The one that stands out is third down. I think that Miami was two for 10 on third down, while Cincinnati was eight for 15. So that really was kind of what killed Miami to go with those two turnovers. Yeah, I think one of the things I'll point out for Miami offensively is that we we saw what it looks like when Tua tries to get the ball deep to Tyreek Hill. Um, before the injury, he did have a deep attempt. He didn't really get to step into it super well, but it's not like you know, it's not like he was being truly crowded or anything. And he just floated it up there. Tyreek tried to come back for it, but it, there was just no chance. The defender had a much better position on it, just pulled it down. And that's the one thing about the trade for Tyreek Hill that a lot of people talked about is that he is a a, a double edged weapon. He will take the top off, and he can do all kinds of damage to you underneath and potentially take a, a short pass to the house too. But if you don't have the player who can regularly get that that ball deep, it does kind of remove that, that one key piece of what he can do. You know, he's still got his. I mean, 160 yards receiving and a touchdown. He, he impacts the game, no doubt. But I just think that, you know, we saw what some people had talked about before the season started. And then the T. Higgins matchup on Xavier Howard, that has to be mentioned as well. I mean, T. Higgins had a really nice day, 124 yards and a touchdown, and kind of seemed to have his way with Howard. But it, it was clear that Howard was banged up. He wasn't full go. He he had, a, I believe it was an ice pack on his, I guess, groin. Technically, it looked like it was around his whole quad there. But you know, it's tough to play corner 
against a very good receiver when you've got an injury. Tyreek, especially, really showing us why the Dolphins gave up so many draft picks to get him because even after Tua went out of the game, he was still a threat with Bridgewater. So, yeah, like you said, 10 for 160. I know that he was chirping a lot with Eli Apple before this game, and I don't know who we can say won, but Tyreek Hill had that great performance, but Eli Apple did get the win, so I guess we can call that even. Well, I mean, I guess that that's a, a that that's a way to walk away with some, you know, rose-colored glasses for Eli Apple. I don't think that there's any question. Anytime somebody puts up 160 yards, and I I know it wasn't exclusively on him, but you know, I think I think you have to give the win there, but all right, look, I think we can only go so long dancing around it. Um everything else kind of seems super, superfluous, obviously. Dave, you were talking about the new uniforms. I liked those quite a bit as well. I thought they were, were uh, you know, an, a nice um, aesthetic. I, I did like them. I thought I always thought the the white with the orange helmet looked weird, but I do like the all whites. Nice look. But all right, I have talked about this to an injury every single episode so far this week, except for maybe the draft episode. Talked about it with Kyron. On Tuesday, I talked about it with Dr. Kyle Trimble. On Wednesday, I talked about it with uh, Julius in pretty much every news segment up to this point. And I talked about it with Nico when we previewed this game. What were the Dolphins doing last week, keeping him in and then having him play in this game? Sure enough, he gets wrapped up on a sack, slammed to the turf backwards, Immediately goes into a, a bit of a gut-wrenching, contorted position um, with an, a clear traumatic head injury. Um, he may have some spine issues as well. He's at the Cincinnati Hospital there as we speak. And we know that he was awake, but not in good shape. So, I mean, for me, as soon as the head made contact, my stomach turned. Because I just saw the force with which he was going down. And it's like, it didn't even all click the, the head injury from last week. It wasn't like, it wasn't instantaneous. But I know, I know when a guy goes down, especially backwards with no ability to brace himself against impact, it's not good. What were your thoughts when you saw that happen? Yeah, man. It was not good to see. Like you said, it was a scary play for sure. Tua kind of just held on to the ball a little bit too long, tried to save some time to make a play downfield, and he got thrown back really hard. His elbow and his head hit the ground straight on without any brace. Um, it's tough. It's tough. It's not a good look for the Dolphins. Obviously, kind of you gave some context around last week as we came into this week and whether the back injury, maybe head injury from last week, could have led to him not playing in this game, but it's tough. I don't think that you could say that last week's hit necessarily made tonight's hit or his injury tonight any more likely. I think that I know some people are, are saying are kind of connecting the two and I don't want to connect them too closely because I think that this might have happened. This could have easily happened regardless of last week and regardless of what injury he had last week. But 
yeah, it was not. You could see the the distraught faces of Jalen Waddle and his his teammates on, on, surrounded or surrounding him. In the heat of the moment, they were lost. That Tua was laying there motionless, but like you said, it was good to see that he was awake. He had feeling in all of his extremities. And I know I saw just as the game was ending that he was being discharged from the hospital in Cincinnati, and he's supposed to be flying back with the Dolphins to Miami tonight. So also some more good news. So hopefully he recovers quickly and he's he's going to gonna get better. Yeah, well, I mean, look, the issue with last week and playing this week is that it's not that the injury is more likely, it's the severity of the risk. Because when you have a concussion and you don't allow proper healing time, the risk of outcome for the next concussion is is much greater. So you're not more likely to get a concussion, but you're more likely to sustain permanent damage if you get another one before the healing process is, is complete, basically. And I'm not a doctor, but that's the reason that we have the concussion protocol to begin with. That's why you cannot go back into a game if you have signs of a concussion. It's not, you know, it's not because they're afraid you're going to get injured again. It's because you can sustain serious, long-lasting brain damage, essentially, or or percent, potentially, you know, um, neurological damage in your spine or anything. And so the issue is is not that they're not that the the two incidents are related, but the outcome of both may impact each other, if that makes any sense. So, I mean, there's a reason that, that the NFLPA immediately filed or, or, or started an investigation against what happened with getting Tua back in. You know what I mean? This is not just outside noise. This is NFL players and the lawyers of NFL players saying that what happened last week is not acceptable. And now we're just seeing... We're just seeing... Uh, what can happen? Because right, so he when he went down, he immediately went into basically what is was called a, like a, a fencing response, where your arms go into a position, and it's essentially a spasm that's a result of brain trauma to the uh, brain or uh, um, brainstem, and that's why his fingers were looking like that. And in in first moment, I wasn't sure if. If he was having some kind of seizure, or if he was, uh, if he had a spinal injury that caused him to have a, a, a spasm, but that's specifically what it is. After looking it up quickly, and I mean, it is. There's no two ways. This was a very severe concussion this time, and I, I mean, this is going to be a problem. Like we, we talked about it before. The NFLPA is going to go hard after the NFL and probably the Dolphins. And the NFL is probably going to go hard after the Dolphins after their, their off-season activities that, you know, that uh, that called into question the the sanctity of the game as well. So I'm just, I'm curious to see how this all plays out for an organization that started so hot if this potentially could all come crashing down pretty quickly. Yeah, and I I saw your tweet that said the I hope it was worth it to go three and zero because they've done some stuff. I know, like I said, it was a bad look last week, especially, and this kind of goes back to the investigation ongoing about whether it was a back injury or whether he might have got a concussion last week and whether he should have been put into concussion protocol. But 
yeah, it's a rough situation for Miami, a team that already got penalized and fined and, and punished for improperly going after Brady. They try to make a play for Deshaun Watson before sticking with Tua. Him coming off to this crazy hot start, 3-0, and now he might be out for an extended period of time. Who knows how long he could be out. So, yeah, it, it to add insult to injury, to go with the loss, they may have lost their leader, their starting quarterback for some time. So not a good night for Miami. Yeah, and I think the, the big part of it, too, is that if this was another Sunday game and he had a full week, maybe maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But the fact that it's a turnaround from a, a Sunday to a Thursday night and it seemed like, you know, there were just full systems go and never backed off this idea that it was exclusively a back injury and an ankle injury. It just, it, it, it just, I, I mean, we talked to Kyle Trimble and he's, he, you know, he wasn't, pounding the table but he did make it clear that his opinion was that it it's pretty unlikely that he would have stumbled been wobbly after that hit from a back injury like that's that's clear neurological you know that's a clear neurological symptom you know not a back symptom so it's it's just like who are you trying to fool here you know what i mean it it just felt to me like they they almost felt like they had to play him on thursday because they they basically doubled down on the lie. They doubled down on the deception, even though no one believes them anyway. And now I just feel like somebody's potential long term, you know, livelihood and, and and physical well being could be affected by that. And I just I I don't usually go after NFL teams, you know what I mean? Because everybody makes bad decisions sometimes. But this just seemed like such an obvious bad one, and they just seem to have doubled down on it over and over again. So. All I know is that this is going to be talked about nonstop as it should be. You know what I mean? Like, I I think Kyron said it so well when he said, no one's going to care about this in two days. And I was like, well, you know, I am, but I know what you mean because everybody just wants to see Jamar Chase and, and T. Higgins and Joe Burrow and Tua Tungabailoa and Jalen Waddell and, uh, and uh, uh, Tyreek Hill go off. But... This is what happens when you're flipping with it, you know? I mean, this is not going away for sure. And this, what happened tonight is only going to amplify this investigation that's going on about last week. And people are going to be talking about this all week. It's going to be a top storyline tomorrow for sure. So Miami is not going to be in any good good spots on the field or off the field over the next few weeks. Yeah. I'm. I'm all I can say is I'm glad that I picked all the games with Bryson before this, because I would not be in the mood to sit down and, and pick NFL games after this. Like, it's just, just rough to see. And, you know, it's just, it, it's not, not a great start to week four, but it is what it is. We're going to turn around. We have a nice four game slate from Monday game or from a, excuse me, a morning game in London, all the way through our normal one o'clock afternoon and Sunday night games. So I'll be a happy guy come Sunday, but this is definitely going to be something that we bring back up. Dave, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you in the meantime? Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Dave Guberman. If you want to follow me on Instagram or TikTok, my handle is D-A-G-U-B-E-R-M. 
Thanks, guys. Don't forget to tighten up this weekend. <laughs> yeah, you must be feeling good coming off a win. I, I'm sure. Finally. All right. We'll see you soon. <laughs> Gamblers, wagerers, and riverboat ramblers. Tonight, we pick. <laughs> All right, I'm back, and we are short one picker. Kyle Nishida is not here today. He had something to attend to, but we do have all his picks to to uh, to read off to you. So we, we can still get his input, even if he can't be here in the flesh. But of course, with me to help you go over every single one of these Sunday NFL games against the spread, we have Bryson Owens. How you doing, Bryson? I'm doing really well, man. I'm ready to get this going. This is one of my favorite shows to hop on every week. And this is a really good slate. There's a lot of a lot of underdogs I like this week, just just to tease everyone. All right, cool. Yeah, last week was awesome. This week looks to be another really good one. Plenty of divisional games, matchups from, between some really, really hot teams right now. So let's jump right in. The first one we've got here are the Saints plus two and a half versus the Vikings. So I'm going to throw it to you. Normally we have Kyle go first, so I'm just going to keep the order, but We'll go straight to you and run back to me. So what you got, Bryson? Yeah, it's a, a two and a half point spread. And I don't, I, I guess I understand a little bit why it's a close spread, but I personally would have the Vikings win um, a heavier favorite in this game. I know they're on the road. I know they haven't played the best football, but as no one watched Jameis Winston play the last couple weeks, he has not been playing well. He's injured. He's got a back problem. He's got an ankle problem. And he's turning the ball over a ton right now. And even though the Vikings can't get Jefferson involved, and I know they're playing as a very, very good defense in the New Orleans Saints at home, I just trust the offense for Minnesota a lot more than I trust the offense for New Orleans right now. The Minnesota's defense is playing just good enough, too, where I think they can cause some pressure on Jameis. They can get at least one turnover out of him this this week. I don't think that's too much to ask for from this defense. So I have the um, Vikings covering the spread because I just think that they're the better overall team and the healthier team right now. Yeah, it's I don't think the spread should be bigger, but I I'm definitely going to lean towards the Vikings. So the question is this is 830 a.m. technically a primetime game? Since it's it's the only game on, so I feel like maybe that makes a difference. You know, if 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 it's Kirk Cousins being highlighted and he knows that, maybe the same thing is going to happen. I will still take the Vikings here because I do think they're playing good football overall, and and I do think that you know the injuries to Jameis are are something to be aware of. They were one of one of my picks for. The Saints were one of my picks for for uh, a wild card spot, and I every week I'm less confident in it until I remember that the NFC just isn't that strong, you know. And so there's still a good chance that they make it, but when they go up against other, you know, playoff contending teams like the Vikings, I'm not going to favor them. So I'll take the Vikings as well. Um, all right, we have the Indianapolis Colts minus three against the Tennessee Titans. So. Colts came up big last week in a game where nobody expected them to. They couldn't. 
they couldn't even win, let alone cover, when they were largely the favorites. They go out into to, to play Kansas City, and obviously we saw what happened. So as another mm-hmm. favorite, how do you feel about this? Yeah, I. this is going to be a really ugly matchup. And with Jonathan Taylor, did you see that he missed an in, his insane streak ended to um yesterday? He missed his first practice since I think his junior year of high school. He has never missed a practice before until yesterday. That's a little concerning that someone that durable like Jonathan Taylor's missed a practice. Um, and the Titans, they finally I think they finally got something going with Derrick Henry against the Raiders. Now I know the Raiders' defense sucks, and the Colts have a very good defense, but I think they can find some way to get a lot of that out of Derrick Henry against the Colts this week. Division games are usually pretty close anyway. Um, and if you can get Ryan Tannehill going with the play action, he and Robert Woods last, last week had a real connection. I think he, Robert Woods fits a lot of what A.J. Brown does, a lot of over the middle, a lot of after the catch kind of stuff. And if he and Ryan Tannehill continue to develop this kind of connection, especially on play action passing where if Derrick Henry is getting the ball going, Ryan Tannehill is a pretty good quarterback when it, the play action's working. If you make him a traditional drop back, read the entire defense type quarterback, he's not very good. But against the Colts, I don't think he's going to need to be. And the Colts won last week very weirdly. Like it was not an easy win for the Colts. Yeah. It took a Chris Jones taunting penalty on fourth and fifteen to keep that drive alive to help them win the game. So like I'm still not very impressed by the Colts, even though they did beat the Chiefs. I am impressed by the Titans getting a grinding win against the Raiders where they played very well the whole game. I have the Titans um, at least covering the spread, maybe winning the whole game. Yeah, yeah, I I, I feel actually similarly to you. I'm going to, I suspect the Titans will back to a cover, but that makes me very comfortable taking them here because there's also a chance they could win. I think one thing that needs to be pointed out is that if it wasn't for a number of special teams mistakes by the Chiefs, the Colts are not winning that mm-hmm. game. That that played a big role too. And I, I feel like that's not something you can count on weekly. So I'm gonna take the Titans here too. Now I will say Kyle took the Colts and then he took the Vikings at minus two and a half as well. I'm gonna have to get used to uh <laughs> to reading his picks out <laughs> at the end of these. Okay. Sticking in the AFC South, we've got the Houston Texans plus five hosting the Los Angeles Chargers. Mm. Now, with the number of injuries that the Chargers have sustained, that seems absolutely insane. I mean, they, they're they yeah. out Joey Bosa. They're out Rayshon Slater. They're out Corey Lindsley. I mean, mm-hmm. every single one of their top players is not playing. I think Keenan Allen is back, but maybe you know, and I'm being more AFC West-centric yourself, you might have an idea of that better than I do, but it's like the Texans haven't been playing that bad. I mean, like they're they're limited, yeah. but they're they haven't been stinking it up really. So I understand when you look at it from you know the logo perspective, you think the Chargers should mm-hmm. be much better. But what do you think? Yeah, you know, you hit the um, head on the nail for a lot of these points I was bringing up. The Chargers just have so many injuries. I mean, you brought up a lot of guys that are missing. I think Keenan Allen is going to give it a go. It's a hamstring injury, and a guy like him who's quick, he relies on his sudden movements for his incredible route running. 
it's going to be really hard for him to get that going with a hamstring problem. And then Justin Herbert, I mean, he they're probably going to throw him out there because they know they aren't going to have a chance of winning without Herbert playing, even though it'd be best for the Chargers to just sit him because this rib injury isn't going to go away. And him getting hit again for another week with a beat-up offensive line is not going to help. Um, but then you also bring up J.C. Jackson's injured. That's one of the top corners in football. You brought up um, Joey Bosa. This elite-looking defense going into the seasons getting banged up, and they just got beat up by the Jaguars 38-10. to And like you said, the Texans have been playing every team very close, very hard. Damian Pierce has gotten better every week, which is going to be big for the Texans this week. Um, I like Davis Mills, not as a you know, future all-pro, Pro Bowl quarterback, but he's a starting quarterback in this league, in my opinion. I think people forget he was a five-star recruit out of high school and went to Stanford, so he's a smart kid. He was really good at one point in his career. He just got hurt a lot. I think you're, if he gets a real shot with this Texans team, he can be a starting quarterback in this league for a while. Five points is way too much for me. I don't know if the Texans win, but just because the Chargers have too much talent, even with all those injuries, but I do like the Texans to at least keep this to a um, within five points. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I, I I think I wouldn't be remotely surprised if the Chargers do win this, but five points is it's it's just a little bit too large for what they're trotting out there this week. I think, and Kyle is taking the Chargers at minus five, so he's still a believer in Justin mm-hmm. Herbert, which which I get, I get, and I, mm-hmm. I I feel like if he wasn't also hurt. Maybe that would be easier for me to take. But with him fighting through discomfort and injury, it's a lot. All right. Man, did he look hurt in the, against the Jaguars. Yes. Yeah, exactly. All right. The Atlanta Falcons are home underdogs. One and a half points uh, over the, or under, I should say, the Cleveland Browns. So, Falcons are coming off their first win this past week, I believe. The Cleveland Browns are coming off a mm-hmm. Thursday night victory, so they have a little bit of extra time here to prepare. Um, I feel like the vision the Browns had for their team without Deshaun Watson is coming to fruition at this point. Now, the weird thing about this game is Miles Garrett was just in that crazy car accident, mm-hmm. and while he's certainly okay overall, it impacts either A, whether he plays, or B, certainly how he feels out there. So though that's kind of my preview for this one. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I this was another spread that kind of surprised me when I saw it, just because I get the Falcons have been playing teams really close, and the Browns still are throwing out Jacoby Brissett because they have to, and Jacoby Brissett's not a, you know, He's not a starting quarterback in this league, in my opinion, but he's playing very, very well in this offense. He knows how to just keep the chains moving. He knows how to get the Browns in scoring position. Nick Chubb running the way he does certainly helps out a lot. This is going to be a lot of rushing yards in this game because you've got the Browns with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and you've got the Falcons with Cordero Patterson and Marcus Mariota, who they're all going to run the air out of the ball this week. Kyle Pitts got a little bit going in their last game, which is a good sight to see. He's a very talented tight end. But I think the Browns, even if Miles Garrett misses this game, are just a better overall team. They're playing very good football, a lot better than I thought they were going to play. They really should be 3-0 and right now with one really crazy comeback 
loss or, you know, they the Jets came back on that crazy game to beat them. If it wasn't for that crazy comeback, the Browns are 3-0 and and sitting atop the AFC with the Miami Dolphins. So I think that the Browns are much better than the Atlanta Falcons. I get the Falcons play teams close so far this year, but I think the Browns are going to be the best team they've played so far, except maybe the Rams, but even the Rams aren't playing that great right now. So I've got the Browns at least covering the spread. Yeah. Well, it's only one and a half. So how close can the game be, right? I mean, yeah. I think the Falcons defense is probably going to have a tough time with Nick Chubb in that run game. It's it, it's just so dominant because it's, it's Chubb mm-hmm. and the offensive line. It's not often you get to see a pairing of a group of offensive linemen and a running back who are all playing at such a high level simultaneously because you really get to see everything on display you get to see huge holes for him to run through he's you know hitting the second level full speed he's got great contact balance he's making guys miss and he's just Mm -hmm. you know he's putting on a show this year he's has a more than real chance to win the rushing title I think Saquon Barkley is probably the one that can give him a run for it but I I think just because of the strength of that line it's probably going to go to him now um so I'm definitely, I'm going to take the Browns here as well. The Falcons have been, they've been tough though. They, they've been, mm-hmm. they, they haven't been complete through a game, but they've been tough. And it's something that they may turn around this year. It's something where we might get partway through the year and they are closing out games. But at this point, we're not quite, we're not quite there yet. So Browns it is. And I think, I do believe that I don't have a pick for this one for Kyle. So he was in a hurry and this one slipped by him. But we have the Philadelphia Eagles with, I believe, the biggest spread of the day. Minus six and a half at no, home. The biggest spread is the Packers-Patriots. Okay, yeah, I haven't gotten to that one yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see that down there now. Uh, okay, so this would be the second largest. And they are minus six and a half. Uh, favorites over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be in Philly, but both teams are hot right now. And so this Mm. is, I understand the Eagles being favored, certainly, but it seems a little bit large of a spread for two teams that are coming off of, you know, both fairly dominant wins. Yeah, I think the biggest reason this is such a big spread is, yes, they're both coming off very dominant wins, but they're kind of looking back at when these teams are playing at their best like, they took into account last season. The Eagles were a playoff team, and so they, you know, they've had these big wins, and they have to come back and play well the next week and continue that um, streak. The Jaguars aren't used to these big wins. I think this is the better seeing the um, Jaguars come down to earth a little bit. They're playing very good football, though. Trevor Lawrence looks like the number one overall pick now that he is a mature adult as his head coach, one who's actually done something in the NFL before. Um, that the defense for the Jaguars is top 10 right now. I mean, they're incredible on that side of the ball. Devin Lloyd is incredible as a rookie. Um, and I think that, uh, the run game for James Robinson, you know, we missed James Robinson last year because Irvin Meyer refused to play him. He was so in on doing this weird stuff with the running backs last year and they, he wouldn't play his thousand yard back Irvin, Um, and now Doug Peterson's like, wait, I have a 1,000-yard running back who 
basically got a year off. Give me James Robinson, please. <laughs> and so James Robinson looks really, really good this year. It's making Trevor Lawrence's job a lot easier. Um, he's getting the play action um, passing going, which makes a young quarterback's life a lot easier. I get that the Eagles are playing great football, and I had them to win their division, and it looks like they're going to right now with the way they're playing, um, especially just how with how great they are on offense. I mean, Jalen Hurts maybe second in the NFL for the MVP right now, but I've got the Jaguars at least keeping this a close game because I think these are two very good teams. This is my favorite game to watch of the early morning slate. Yeah, I'm with you so far. This is definitely the one to to get eyes on. I, I think. Look, I'm gonna lean on. I'm gonna lean on a, another expert on our show. Kyron Samuel said that the Jaguars' offensive line was the offensive line performer of the week, and he said that Trevor Lawrence was the performer of the week that he highlighted. And I, I'm gonna if he feels that strongly about how well they're playing, I, I think. A six and a half point spread is just too much. Do I expect them to win this game? No, I don't. But I, I think they can cover. In Philly, I know it's tough, but still, mm-hmm. I think when you have a quarterback who's playing that well, he's going to be able to put up points on almost every single drive, whether it's field goal or touchdown. And it's hard to win by more than six and a half in this league if you're letting up any points at all. So I'm going to give it to the backdoor cover here for the Jaguars and then let's see Kyle has Eagles six and minus six and a half which I get to I, I do understand it. yeah all right Detroit Lions minus four hosting the Seattle Seahawks Lions are playing really well really really mm-hmm. well I think they weren't they were favored for the first time last week I believe no were they two weeks ago? They were, I think. Yeah, that's right. Because I remember talking about it. Because they played mm-hmm. the they played the Eagles week one. Remind me, who did they play two weeks ago? Oh, um, let me check real quick. The Lions played Washington. Right, and they were favored, and they won that game. Yep. And then they lost Pretty against easy. the Vikings this past week. Okay. All right. So yeah, I mean, I, I think I think this team shows up. I think I think they're almost a complete team. I think they're missing a little bit here on defense. But I don't think that the Seahawks are offensively equipped to, you know, take advantage of missing pieces mm-hmm. here. Four points, I don't know if I love her that. I, I love that. Four points, I don't know if I love that. Um, cuz this could be a grinded out win cuz I don't think the Seahawks are that that bad either. What do you think? Yeah, I have a lot of confidence in the Lions this week. They're playing really good football, especially on offense, like you mentioned. They have the second most touchdowns in the NFL this year, only because Lamar Jackson by himself is 12, and we'll get to him later. But the Lions' offense is hitting on all cylinders, even with Swift not being 100%, and he's probably not going to play this week. So I would expect a lot of action from Jamal Williams, and he's a starting running back in this league. So I'm perfectly comfortable leaning on Jamal Williams against the Seahawks. Um, Goff playing very good football for Jared Goff. He's not lighting it up, but he's playing much better than he has in the last couple of years. Um, like you mentioned, their defense is the one thing that kind of scares me, but it's getting better. They gave, they only give up 28 to the Vikings, which is a lot, but considering their last few weeks where they are giving up almost 30 a game the first two weeks, you know, it's, it's an improvement. They're getting a <laughs> little bit better. Aiden Hutchinson's getting a little bit better. Jeffrey Okuda locked down Justin Jefferson last week, which doesn't happen very often. But Jeffrey Okuda 
looks like a top five pick like he was. So the defense is, it's just, it needs time to gel. It needs time. They're young, really young on that side of the ball. So they just need playing time together. Um, and the Seahawks, listen, they got the emotional win against the Denver Broncos week one. Since then, they've come up flat the last two weeks. They got blown out by the Niners after Trey Lance got hurt and Jimmy Garoppolo came in and just kind of worked the Seattle Seahawks. And then they blew it against the Falcons. They could have won that game, but gave it up late. Um, I've got the Lions at home covering the spread. Yeah, I like it. I I would love to be in Ford Field right now because that 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 place has got to be rocking. People got to be having a good time mm-hmm. there. It's been so long since the Lions were, you know, I think they've had talented guys, but it's been a while since they were, you know, given something to really be given given people something to really really be excited about overall. So I'm going to take the Lions there as well. Let's see. Kyle has the Lions. Yeah, he got him at minus four and a half. So I'm sure he'd be happy with minus four as well. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. The all right. This game. Oh, this game. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers are minus three favorites at home against the New York Jets. Okay, so the big thing here is Zach Wilson is coming back. I think if you if you look at the offensive showing of the Steelers over the past three weeks, there's not much to be excited about there. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, future-wise, sure, but right now, while they're still playing Mitch Trubisky, I think you know what the ceiling is for that. The Jets have been up and down in their three games, but Zach Wilson gets back. And so all depending really on what you think of Zach Wilson and what his year two leap will look like, they they kept him out for the full three weeks to make sure he's 100% healthy, ready to go, which I do think was the right move. Mm-hmm. Now we got to see him in action. What do you think is going to happen in this game? Yeah, I... This is such a hard game to talk about because I have zero faith in Mitchell Trubisky. In fact, I think he gets benched this game. I think this is the first time we see Kenny Pickett. Um, and I think what's going to happen is at home, Zach Wilson's first game, there's going to be rust. He's not going to be completely ready yet, I don't think. Um, whatever they're calling it now, because it's not um, Heinz Field anymore, is yeah. an incredibly hard place for young quarterbacks to play, even without... TJ Watt available. Um, it's going to be really hard on Zach Wilson this week. They have no run game. The young wide receivers for New York are coming around. They're showing um, how talented they are on that unit of the ball. But on the road, his first game back, Minka Fitzpatrick's looking to get one of those turnovers that Zach Wilson's bound to do eventually. Because that's what Zach Wilson does. He's a gunslinger. He's not afraid of fitted in tight windows. And he's going to turn the ball over that's just what he is people are gonna have to live with that I it's really tough to pick this game but I have the Steelers covering because I think come halftime it's gonna be a close game it's gonna be low scoring and the Steelers fans are gonna be begging to see Kenny Pickett and Mike Tomlin's gonna throw the hometown kid out there and it's gonna be an emotional burst to take the Steelers over the top in this game yeah, that is a classic Jets storyline. To for the Jets <laughs> even to be up in this game slightly, then they make the switch at quarterback, bring in Kenny Pickett, and he guides them to a win. I, I could absolutely see that. I think 
And as far as a pick, this is it's it is really hard because the, the Jets defense the Jets here's the annoying thing about this is because I think the Jets are actually more talented now than they have been like significantly even on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. The Jets were getting home against Joe Burrow regularly and he was just showing off his elite escapability in the pocket and the Jets were blitzing way too much which we already know is not a recipe for success against elite quarterbacks like him especially mm-hmm. ones that can move in the pocket and he was shredding them and they, they kept blitzing him and it kept not working so they were getting home with four either way um, they were trying to push the issue so the Steelers don't have a good offensive line I don't think Mitch Trubisky is going to dissect you versus the blitz like Burrow does so I actually do have faith in the defense but the Jets offensive line looked terrible their left tackle got beat like a drum by Trey Hendrickson to the point that he got <laughs> defensive player of the week so yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm a little worried about that Alex Highsmith matchup um, and with Minka Fitzpatrick back there it's this is probably going to be an ugly game I think I think I will take the Jets to backdoor cover this just because I don't like the Steelers defense or Steelers offense but I I think the Steelers probably eke out a win you know with Mike Tomlin leading the way so I just I had to walk myself through it but all right the Baltimore Ravens oh let's see real quick I think Steelers for Kyle yeah Steelers for Kyle Ravens are my or they're plus three so they are underdogs at home against the Buffalo Bills what a game okay man uh, I'm just right. gonna throw it straight to you for your thoughts on this one yeah this is probably another one of my favorite games of the day I Lamar Jackson so far this year easy MVP unanimous MVP right now um he's got more touchdowns I alluded to it earlier with the Lions he's got more touchdowns by himself rushing and throwing than every team in the NFL except for the Detroit Lions with 12. That's absolutely insane. He accounts for, I think I saw 85% of their offense, both passing and running the football. So he's he's doing insane stuff. He's going to make the Ravens open the checkbook for a lot of money this offseason. And the Bills came into, you know, they came into the season with such high expectations, and they met them for the first two games. They looked like the best team in football. Then they go uh, against Miami with basically a rookie secondary. Their whole secondary is injured. It showed against the Dolphins. Um, but that was a weird game. The Bills had more than twice the amount of yards and twice the time of possession as the Miami Dolphins did. The problem is the Bills since last year are 1-7, in seven, I believe it is, like in um, one-possession games. And so I think that's what this game is going to be. It's going to be a one-possession game. And the Bills, for whatever reason, personally, I think it's because Josh Allen folds under those type of games. He needs to make a tight, accurate throw under the pressure. And when you're up 14 already, those those throws are easier. When you're down two and you need a fourth and three and you can't hit a slant, that becomes a problem. Um, and I think the Ravens are going to run the ball better this week. I think Lamar Jackson's going to tear up that injured, young secondary for the Bills. At home, give me the Ravens plus three. Mm. Yeah. Uh, well, you want to give me the Ravens 
at home underdogs, I guess I just have to take that by, <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I just, yeah, just by principle. Um, I think, you know, maybe they, they do lose ultimately and backdoor cover, but I think your setup was, was pretty complete. Lamar Jackson is playing incredibly well, even though they may not have the most elite pass catchers in the world. That's a tough matchup for a banged up Bills secondary. I mean, they just signed Xavier Rhodes, you know what <laughs> I mean? Who I hasn't even played. So I, I, he's probably just veteran backup, honestly, but that just shows you where they are right now. So yeah, I'll take the Ravens as home underdogs, man. That's, that's wild. All right. Definitely one of the best games of the week. Mm-hmm. New York Giants minus three and a half versus the Chicago Bears. For me, for me, this is an easy pick. I know that I think the Giants are they're playing clean football overall. They're playing pretty well. I don't think that they are quite, you know, what the record says, being two and one. And I don't think, you know, that win percentage is gonna last for a long time. But I also think they are comfortably a better football team than the Bears right now. I know I'm letting you mm-hmm. pick first, but I just feel like this is pretty cut and dry, at least to me. Yeah, this was an easy pick for me, too. A lot of it falls on just the fact that I have no faith in Justin Fields. I've been out on him since the end of last season. I saw him play last year, and it was not good. I get he was a rookie, and I get there were some weird things going on in Chicago. But with basically a very similar team that Mitchell Trubisky took to the playoffs, I saw Justin Fields only win two games last year. And this year, he looks even worse. I mean, I get... You mentioned the Giants are two and one, and they don't. You don't have the makeup for a two and one team when you look at the Giants. I feel the same way about the Bears. They're also two and one. I couldn't tell you how. I their run game is running. They're running the ball really well, which helps. But Justin Fields is twenty three completions through the first three games this year. That is the lowest in the NFL. He has the lowest passer rating. He has double the interceptions to touchdowns. He has less attempts than Daniel Jones has completions this year. And Daniel Jones sucks. Like, let's be real. Daniel Jones is not a good quarterback. And he has more attempts, or he has more completions than Fields has attempts. And Saquon Barkley's running the ball really well. That Giants defense is pretty good. I've got the Giants at home covering the spread. Yeah. Uh, Like I said, to me, this is easy. They're just much, much better offensively. There's, n- I think the Bears defense isn't playing that badly, but I, I mean, in fact, I should say I should give them their credit. I think they're playing pretty well. And if you want a reason why they're two and one, that's it. You know, mm-hmm. a, a wild, bizarre game in, in crazy weather. And then, you know, they just haven't played a very good slate of teams. They played the Houston Texans that they eked out a win over defensively. And, and I just, there you go. But I, I don't think that the Bears, I still do have the Bears getting the first overall pick. Um, even though they beat the Texans, I think the Texans are playing better overall football and will likely end up with a slightly better record. So I'm taking the Giants here. So Kyle's taking the the Bears. So he's different Ooh. there. He also took the Ravens, though, which I did forget to mention. So he's with us at least on that one. All right. Dallas Cowboys. Minus three and a half at home against the Commanders. Now, we still don't have Dak Prescott back. Word is that he has Mm -hmm. some inflammation in his thumb after getting the stitches removed. So he's still a little ways out. Cooper Rush is playing well. 
They're running the ball well. Their defense is lights out. If you wanted to see Carson Wentz get, you know, this <laughs> not beat out of him against the Eagles, I doubt much is going to change here. Um, maybe not quite as bad, but I feel like that that defensive line, Micah Parsons, they're ready to get some more sacks and add to their ridiculous sack total so far. Yeah, I mean, this is only a three-point spread. I think a lot of that goes into the quarterback matchup. On paper, you give the advantage to the Washington Commanders, even though, and I'm not going to be Jerry Jones and say that there's a quarterback competition between (laughs) Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott. Dak is the starting quarterback once he comes back healthy, but there's something going with Cooper Rush. He's 3-0 as a starter. He... He's the classic backup who just knows how to get the ball into his best player's hands. You know, I think when you're a star quarterback, like, or on the verge of being a star quarterback like Dak Prescott, you want to show that you're not one receiver dependent, which he really was with Amari Cooper. He was very Amari Cooper dependent. And the stats show from when Cooper, before Cooper got there and after Cooper got there, it's very different with Dak Prescott. Um, And then when you're Dak, you want to show that you don't need to rely on cd lamb you can throw to other guys you can make plays with your legs and cooper rush is like wait i can just throw to 88 and be fine nine times out of ten you know cd's gonna have an awful drop like he did in that game every now and then but cd is a very good receiver and cooper rush is like i'm i'm just gonna give cd chances to make plays and you mentioned the cowboys are running the ball very well it's not out of one guy either it's both pollard and zeke that's making this run game work, which is really impressive to see. And then you hit the the biggest thing for me is that pass rush you mentioned. The Carson Wentz has been sacked 15 times already this year, and the Cowboys might have the best pass rush in football, just led by Micah Parsons alone. I mean, he was my pick to lead the league in sacks, and he looks like he's going to do that. Um, and I think they're going to get to Carson Wentz a lot in this game. I think he's going to have at least a couple turnovers because of it. Um, you may see a Trayvon Diggs uh, pick six in this game because Carson Wentz is going to try and do something that he shouldn't do. Um, and Cooper Rush is just going to keep the ball moving. So I've got the Cowboys covering covering the spread. Yeah. Um, this is just looking like a bad year for the Commanders with Carson Wentz at the helm. Um, doesn't look comfortable back there. And it's just not a good matchup to have such a good pass rush. You know, I just... I, mm-hmm. I'm not a guy that just puts everything on the quarterback, but when you have a performance like last week where it's obvious that he just cool. you know couldn't do anything against a, a dominant pass rush, certainly not picking him against a dominant pass rush this week either. Um, I think we missed this one with Kyle as well, so we got a couple of games missed there. But, oh man, we have, we have a hot-blooded showdown between the two coaches that are most on the hot seat right now. The Carolina Panthers are... Minus one and a half favorites at home against the Arizona Cardinals. That should just tell you about how people view the Cardinals right now because nobody Mm -hmm. likes what the Panthers have been able to do. Individual pieces, good here and there, but as a team, it's, you know, it's a bit ugly. And the Cardinals are essentially one crazy fourth quarter away from being 0-3 right now. So... Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Cardinals could easily be 0-3. And here's the thing. Panthers are playing teams close. My Panthers pick finally finally got a win. <laughs> um, I'm feeling I'm feeling good. 
I'm not too overconfident. I'm, I did not wake up feeling dangerous, as <laughs> Baker would say. But um, Christian McCaffrey playing playing better every week. He's starting to look like the old Christian McCaffrey that burst. He's still look. He's still getting there with that. Those breakaway plays where he can turn an almost tackle in the backfield into a touchdown. We're we're waiting for those plays, and mostly we're waiting to see him out of the backfield catch passes more or even line him up in the slot just get the ball in this guy's hands he's probably arguably the best playmaker in this game um and then i'm the panthers have a much better defense that defense is playing very well every week the cardinals start off game slow and with a run game like the panthers have if you get off to a slow start against this panthers team i don't see them coming back and winning this game um, and in a game like this, you might as well just pick who's going to win. It's only a one and a half point spread. How many games finished one point, um, wins or losses, you know? Um, and then my last point is that the Panthers have better weapons. I mean, LaVisca Chenault looked incredible last week. He's a beast. They've got DJ Moore, who he and Baker don't have a great connection with right now, but I think that's going to get better. He does have a pretty good connection with Robbie Anderson as a deep ball threat. And then they have like guys like Terrace Marshall, who is an LSU receiver. He's going to have talent. And Rashard Higgins, who Baker loves. So I, I just, the Panthers have more weapons. Christian's playing well. The defense is better. I think that, and the Cardinals start off games way too slow. So I've got the Panthers at home covering the spread. I agree with literally everything you said, and I think it will play out exactly that way. Until probably about four <laughs> minutes left in the fourth quarter, where Kyler Murray is just going to run around, he's going to get down the field, he's going to score, and then everything's going to fall apart. Panthers are going to have a meltdown. They're going to get the ball back somehow via some fumble from Baker Mayfield or a quick three and out throwing the ball where you're like, why wouldn't you just run the ball? And so, so then the Cardinals won't have to take a timeout. They'll punt it back to them, and the Cardinals will drive down the field and Kyler Murray will run it in. So, like, that's... I see everything you said, except I think they will once again just rely on the athletic ability of Kyler Murray. So Fair that's enough. that's how I foresee that game. Let's see how much of an oracle I can <laughs> I can be here. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. I think Kyle has the I think he has the Cardinals too. Yeah, he has the Cardinals as well. All right, Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half against the Denver Broncos, and man, again. This tells you what people think of the Broncos right now because the Raiders have not really been good. In fact, they're 0-3 at this point. So yeah. I know it's at home and and you factor that in here, but that's that's not a lot of respect to Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. I'm going to let you take this one being a Broncos guy. Yeah, I I get a little bit why we're underdogs. Like you mentioned, we're, at, we're on the road. We have not beaten the Raiders in Vegas or in Oakland since Peyton was in Denver. That's been a long time since we've beaten them on the road. We've been beating them at home, but obviously we're not home. Um, So on the road, we've struggled against the Raiders. Um, And like you mentioned, the offense just isn't clicking. Now I've seen little bits every game of what this offense can be. You know, week one, people don't know this. The first two weeks, the Broncos led the lead, led the league in like, yards in between the 20s like we were moving the ball the problem is we weren't finishing drives and it was weird things each of the first two weeks you know 
Week one, we had the two fumbles on the one-yard line. Those could have easily turned into touchdowns. That game is completely different. Week two against the Texans, it was dumb penalties. It was a false start on first down that set us back on a good drive or a holding penalty on a big play. You know, and then week three, we obviously didn't move the ball well, but it's against one of the best defenses in football, so it's a little understandable. Um, the Raiders have one of the worst defenses in football. They're, their defense is terrible, and they're missing their top two corners in this game with Rocky Sin and Nate Hobbs probably not going to play, so that's not a good look for them. They can't run the football. The Raiders are, are one of the worst teams in the NFL in running the football. In fact, they are the... Where are they? They're the 28th best team when it comes to running the football. Derek Carr is turning the ball over at a rate I've never seen him do it. The Raiders' offensive line sucks. It's terrible. Um, I get the, I, I understand everything. I think, but I think this is a week where the Broncos' offense comes alive. We see the Russell Wilson offense a lot of people thought we were going to get from week one just because I don't have any faith in the Raiders, and they're poorly coached, and they're poorly run. Carr can't even get Devontae Adams going, and now he's going against Patrick Sertan, who didn't allow a catch on six targets against Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk last week. I get Devontae's a different beast, but like even I, I have full faith in Patrick Sertan against Devontae Adams at this point in the season. So I'm taking the Broncos as underdogs, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. Well, I'm definitely thinking twice about it. I mean, I, I so we had some great insight from Sean Michael Dugar, or Michael Sean Dugar, excuse me, of The Athletic when he previewed that original Monday night game between the Seahawks and the Broncos. And he talked about how Patrick Graham, the defensive coordinator for the Giants at the time, had a really good game plan against Russ and essentially shut him down when he, with, with a lot of too high looks, forcing him to hit the hole shots. And, and making him be really patient underneath. And that was the same recipe, I think, that the, the Seahawks had in week one. And now Patrick Graham is the defensive coordinator for the Raiders. And I think he, is, he has a less talented team to work with. But he also kind of has the recipe for success against the Broncos. So it's, this is a tough one for me. I, I also find it so hard to believe that the Raiders are going to start the season 0-4. That seems like that seems that seems crazy to me. So it's pretty wild. I think just because I find that so unlikely, like that 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 pace of a start would would be that with that quarterback and that set of offensive weaponry. If the, I'm going to take the Raiders here just because of that, and if if they do lose and go zero and four. And I'm, I'm just kind of fine with losing that way just because it, it <laughs> seems crazy. And they will have earned their spot at the very bottom of the NFL this year, which is I didn't pick them to go to the playoffs, but I didn't expect them to be this bad. So mm-hmm. Kyle also has the Broncos at two and a half. All right. Two games left. Another big one. Now, I know that this is not big from the perspective of the talent on the two teams necessarily, but it is big from blue blood franchise perspective because we don't get to see this very often the green bay packers as you alluded to earlier are (laughs) minus nine and a half against the new england patriots in lambo i mean huge spread Mm -hmm. outright disrespectful to bill belichick and yet without mac jones in that offense how can you really blame vegas right 
Yeah, I don't blame them at all for setting it at the spread. Here's the thing. I have the Patriots covering. I think they're going to lose, and they could lose by a touchdown. That's not absurd to think about. But the Packers are way too one-dimensional offensively. They're not explosive in the passing game, and they're way too rely on Aaron Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon getting that offense going. And when you're a low-scoring, one-dimensional offense like the Packers are, that doesn't lead to very many 10-point wins. And yes, Mac Jones probably not playing against uh, this week. It'll probably be Brian Hoyer. I don't think that matters for the Patriots. Their offense is going to be the same no matter what because they're not quarterback dependent. It's a run-heavy offense with ease, with nothing special or crazy going on in the passing game. So I, Brian Hoyer is a pro. He's been doing this for a long time. I think he has a chance to keep this a close game. And Bill Belichick's going to find ways to even without the most talent on defense, make life hard on those young wide receivers. Aaron Rodgers is going to give up on them early. He, they're going to have a drop. They're going to have a fumble, something. He's only going to throw to Randall Cobb. Or to if he's healthy, I don't know if he is, Sammy Watkins. You know, He's only going to rely on those guys from that point. And when you're this one-dimensional, even with a great defense and run game, you don't usually beat teams by 10-plus points. So I've got the Patriots covering. They're going to lose, but I don't see them losing by more than 10. Yeah. When when was the last time do you think the Patriots were underdogs by nine and a half? Oh, God. It had to be before Tom. Probably. Right? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if one of those first couple of years, maybe there was a game in there somewhere. You know, or like, maybe the Matt Castle season. I don't think so because they even had a winning record then. I just find it yeah. hard to believe this. That's an interesting stat. If we can go back and find it, I'm sure somebody's pulled it up as a talking point before. Mm-hmm. But there is a very real chance that this is the first time the Patriots have been underdogs by this much in over 20 years, which begs the question: Why now? You know what I mean? I think I think I agree with you. The Patriots. <laughs> You just got to give credit to Bill Belichick until he proves you, you know, wrong. And again, you don't have to pick him to win, but 10 points is a lot. And it's not the Kansas City Chiefs over here. So, all right. (laughs) I'll take the Patriots as well. I think Kyle took the Packers. Yeah, he took the Packers. Okay. Um, so I I get it. I do. I mean, I mean, I'm even tempted to. And in Lambeau, too. Man, I might even talk myself mm-hmm. out of it. Uh, you know what? Why? Just, you know, because here's the thing: I, I, as a Jets fan, there's basically no team in the NFL that I would ever actively root against. But there is some, there is some <laughs> smugness in seeing the Patriots not what they once were. I will take the Packers. You already kind of know my feeling on it, but I'll take the Packers here just so that I can root for them against the Patriots in this game comfortably without having to be, you know, on the fence about it. So fair enough. All right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers in prime time Sunday night football are home underdogs against the Kansas City Chiefs by one and a half. Great mm. showdown between quarterbacks. Two teams though in very different positions. Yeah, I this is a this is gonna be a great game I think, um, and I think it's gonna be really tough. I've got the Bucks winning the game, which obviously means they're covering. 
that defense is insane. They're giving up nine points a game. Um, they're in a very similar boat as the Denver Broncos, actually, funny enough, where their defense is having to carry that offense with a Hall of Fame quarterback on the other side, which is really weird to see. Now, last week, they lost to the Green Bay Packers on a, the final play. Tom didn't have any real receivers in that game. He at least has Mike Evans coming back. And the Chiefs don't have anyone who can defend Mike Evans. That's just the reality of the situation for the Chiefs. They can't run the football either. The Chiefs aren't a great running football team. They can do it when they need to, um, but against some defenses. But against this defense, I don't know if they will be able to get that chance. I think the Bucks are going to find ways to get Leonard Fournette going, eat away at the clock, make it so Patrick Mahomes is on the field as little as possible. Um, and the Chiefs, they're starting to look like they missed Tyreek Hill. Uh, Travis Kelsey starting to show his age a little bit every now and then. He drops passes. He's not he's not ex as explosive as he used to be. And they do not have a wide receiver that anyone really fears. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster is not a number one in this league. I think everyone needs to realize that he's a number two wide receiver. And so it's it's starting to show a little bit. Mahomes is yelling at Eric Bieniemy on the sidelines. Things are starting to unravel a little bit for the Chiefs, I think. Not too bad, but going up against the this really good Bucks team, I have the I have the Bucks winning this game, um, which obviously means they're going to cover the spread. For sure. So, uh, I, I, look for me, it's the Chiefs. It's an explosive offense. I I know that they didn't play well against the the Buccaneers as a team but again I expect them to clean up the special teams gaffes I think there were multiple times that that unit held them back and I think that you clean that up you get Patrick Mahomes the ball when he's supposed to have the ball and, and they're going to be able to do it I understand that the defense is very 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 good for the Buccaneers right now and I'm not taking anything away from them but one and a half points, like we said before, if it, if you're if you're going to win the game, you're probably about winning by more than one and a half, right? So you probably at least two. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to pull out the victory, so I'm going to give it to them here. I think Brady will keep it close, but the Chiefs' defense is it's 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 no slouch. It's young, but it's no slouch. So we we shall see. But I, I'm I'm going to go with the the young quarterback in this one. Then let's see real quick. Kyle, Kyle has the Chiefs as well. Okay, so that that's it for for our picks against the spread this week. We'll be back to do it again next week. I want to highlight the winners of this past week. I am pretty sure that this is the third week in a row that the Red Beard has led our entire pool, and it's not like he, like our pool is doing terribly. He has ten and a half this week. Ten and a half, right? Ah, oh, beat me by half a point. I know that's that's Rowan Donahue. He writes for our site. He covers betting. To be perfectly honest, when I heard Kyle wasn't going to be on today, I wanted to get him on, but it's just been too crazy to, to try and schedule something <laughs> with another person. Maybe that's going to be a missed opportunity because he is lighting it up. I'm pretty sure this is the third straight week that he has led our pool in weekly picks. Man. He's obviously leading the entire pool across the league but between the first three weeks Kyle led one week I've led one week and you've led one week so we're all kind of trading off picks here you had 10 I had eight Kyle had seven so 
I think we're all right around each other. Um, I need to I need to to actually go back and see how we stack up against each other for the whole season. Um, but I think Kyle is leading the three of us. Uh, he's leading the three of us. He's leading the three of he's leading me by one point. He has twenty one. I have twenty because I accidentally picked wrong in the the play action pool. Um, on one of the ones that I, I picked it on the show and then I, for whatever reason I clicked the wrong one. So I have to go back and fix that. And you didn't pick in the play action pools for week one. So I need yeah. to go back and add that separately. So right now I'm not sure what your total is. I'm one point behind Kyle right now. So we're, we're pretty closely contested at this point, but man, Rowan is putting us all to shame. So Rowan, if you're listening, man, I'm just going to find out what your you. picks are before <laughs> before I get on the show. <laughs> All right. So that's it for us. Um, and again, we will be back on next Friday to pick every single game going into the week five Sunday slate. Bryson, let everybody know where they can find you. Uh, you can find some of my written work on Gridiron Heroics and a lot of it in my other show on the Denver Sports Betting website. Beautiful. All right. Let's go watch some football. Man, I'm pumped. We got four four games of football. I, I personally yeah. love morning football. I love to wake up in the morning, pretend I'm on the West Coast, and then just have four straight <laughs> doses of football. I'm looking forward to it. All right. We'll see you later, Bryson. Have a good day, man. Thank you so much for listening to our Week 4 Picks episode. Remember, I'm Max Dean. You can find me on Twitter at TheMaxDean. And the Gridiron Heroics football show is available anywhere podcasts can be found. This coming Monday, you'll be able to catch our Sunday recap show where we go over all the games from the weekend. And we also do our Monday night preview. So look forward to that. Thank you so much again. Please review, subscribe, rate, and follow anywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will see you all very soon.